And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, welcome to everyone. We are back. The Weighing In Podcast is here to talk about MMA, boxing, and the world of combat sports that we talk about so extensively and so well because my man Josh Thompson is coming back. I saw him hitting pads. He's hitting the mitts. He's coming back. There's not a doubt about it. Look out, everyone. The comeback is real. Tell him, Josh. You're you're out of your goddamn (laughs) mind. If one thing that mid session did for me was realize I have no desire to get back in shape and hit mitts ever again. My hands are still sore from hitting mitts, and it was on Friday. My back is still sore. My shoulders and traps are still sore. I'm like, I even have like this thing like from my jaw to my neck, like up to my jaw to my like cramping. Ten- I think from being tense, it starts cramping. Like I was laying in bed yesterday, and I like laid, I laid down, like I went to sit up, and it just started seizing up on me. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, this is never going to happen, man. I don't I don't see that. I don't have the desire at all. And I've said this a bunch of times. I walk past the cage. And I'll give you an example. Last show for Bellator, I walked past the cage when I watched Aaron Pico and Justin Gonzalez fighting. <laughs> and I was like the speed of everything and the, the power they were throwing with every shot and just watching that calf kick hit on Pico and Pico landing the body shot and the sound of it all. I was like... This is disgusting. I have no <laughs> desire whatsoever to ever, ever be hit again. I just don't, I don't want to do it. Uh, ah, I just, it's just, it, it baffles me to see these guys wanting to come out. Like Anderson Silva, oh, hello, buddy. You're the freaking man. You are the <laughs> man. 40 something, 47, 48 years old, 46, whatever it is. Almost 47. Jeez, something like that. I'm like, gosh. Oh, no thanks, man. I mean, I know like Herschel Walker. He had fought when he was 48. I think he fought again when he was 49. I, he was ripped and shredded. He was always, a, he's always a, in phenomenal shape. Yeah. But he had never, like, he was, was not fighting the best guys. That was one. Two was, he had never really been hit a whole lot before that, before he started training at AKA. But Anderson's been doing it for a long damn time. Yo. Longer than I, I think, lo- I think longer than I have been doing it. And he's been doing, continues to do it after I'm doing it. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I'm very impressed, by the way. Very impressed. Yeah, I have no desire. No, no, John. Don't even, let's not even bring that up. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> no desire. No desire. All right, guys. Done. Before, before we rip into this show, you guys know the routine, man. Okay, go hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel on all of our audio platforms as well. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those other platforms on our audio platforms. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the little notification bell. We want to thank you guys. Share our videos and our content to everyone that you guys uh, no, like, and would like to have learned about MMA. You know, that's one thing I've actually had someone reach out to me just the other day and said, Hey, I sat down. I actually have my wife listening to you guys now because she wants to get into it because I watched so much of it. He's like, and she actually understands now by your guys' breakdowns. So that makes me feel a lot better knowing that we're really breaking it down enough to where people that have never watched the sport and females that are not really fully involved in it and now being able to educate them. So that to me is important. I feel good about that. I want to thank who uh, whoever sent me that. I can't. I'm sorry, off the top of my head, I can't remember. But I want to thank you uh, for that. Those kind words. 
and I'm glad. Thank you. Uh, but hit the subscribe button so you guys can share our content and get it all around. We're trying to grow this channel and blow it up so we can get to that next level. All right, let's get into some stuff there. Let's. Uh, what are we going to talk about? Look, there's not a lot of action going on. There's no fights this weekend. No Happy fights Thanksgiving on to Thanksgiving everybody. weekend. Yep, on Thanksgiving week and weekend. So you guys, let's. Uh, we're going to do a lot of fan questions, a lot of news. We're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, we've got some announcements coming up, too, uh, that we're going to have for next week's show because there is no fights this weekend. So we're going to talk about for next week's announcements. Uh, you want to hear an announcement? I got an announcement What's for it? you. What's the announcement? I have an anniversary tomorrow. Oh, 37 fucking years, dude. I have been married 37 years. I look in the mirror now and I go, holy shit. How in the world am I this old? <laughs> you know what I want to know, right? This is what I want to know. I want to know how in the hell Miss McCarthy put up with your ass for 37 baby! years. Prime That's beef, what I want to know. That's what I want to know. Bu- I've been around. I've been around the two of Miss McCarthy and Mr. McCarthy over here. And I'll tell you right now, I don't know how she does it. This guy. I swear this guy would be so lost without Miss McCarthy. She has put up with more shit oh, with me, man. I can but. see. I can. I, I, I know. I see. It's so funny because now I know why she is the way she is because she's had to deal with you because the way she talks to me i'm like yeah I you mean, gotta deal with him for a while i'm like nothing you just squash made her dead. hard oh she's she's uh she's a she's a very and strong you know strong what Greg, and this is this is the god honest truth it's so funny because she she does you know she's been she's managed my career and stuff and she takes care of all the crap that i would never take care of and, and she does a great job but everyone everyone thinks i'm so nice and they're all deathly afraid of my wife. And so oh, to my okay. wife, Elaine, happy anniversary. I love you, babe. You're awesome. And yes. uh, and she even gives Josh a hard time. So that's the best part. She she does <laughs> give me a hard time. Because she gives me a hard time because when we're in Hawaii, waitresses call her my mom. That's what <laughs> It really pisses her off. Oh, is this your mother? I'm like, oh, <laughs> Oh, it's You're so going to hear it over that one it. now. I love it. <laughs> well, Miss McCarthy and John, I want to wish you guys a happy anniversary. Thank you, sir. Many more, many more, many more to come. See, yeah, I went back when we were like, I, I honestly said this to my wife one time when it was my, our 30 year anniversary. I said, babe, I said, you know, hey, it, it's time. And she goes, what do you mean it's time? I said, it's time. I go, you know, you get to retire from a job at 30 years. You should be able to retire from a marriage at 30 years, too. Right? And she tells me, this is this is her line. And she goes, good. Let's do that. And I get half. Right? And I go, hell, you get half. You get the whole thing right now. If, if, I, if we get a divorce, I get half. So I'm coming out 50 up, 50% up, man. Oh, that's so funny. This is the kind of crap she has to put up with. And she she flows with it pretty well, considering she does. She she does. does. Oh man! Uh but yeah, happy anniversary to you. Thank both. you, sir. Let's All go, right. Al Iaquinta, the the raging Al, who I really I, I've I've really enjoyed watching him throughout his career. But he is uh, saying it's he's done. It's not worth it anymore. And I think it's the right thing to do when your heart's not in it. And we talk about it all the time. It is time to step out because this is not you know it's not a game. You're, you don't play MMA. It is the the real deal. And if you are not 100% in, get out. And he's got a great, you know, real estate career going. He's doing fantastic with that. But I love, you know, from the time that uh, he came on the scene, you know, that people really started to see him was 
the ultimate fighter i think it was ultimate fighter season 13 or something like that no I, idea because i had a guy out of my gym that was in there with him and it was al that ended up beating him in the semifinals to go to the finals against kiesa and uh, he lost that fight but you know it's uh he's he's put on some great fights he's been a, you know a, a tough dude tough out for a lot of guys he had he had that one you know, long streak where he had a lot of wins. Some of them, you look, you know, the, the George Masvidal, there were people that would tell you that they thought, you know, Masvidal won that fight, but he got the he got the nod by the judges, and he went on a pretty good win streak for a while. So congratulations on a, on a nice career, and I'm glad you're getting out when you say, hey, it, this, is not, this isn't fun anymore. Almost like Josh is saying it's not fun anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, here's the thing. Like he said, he looked back and he watched the Chandler and Gaethje fight, and he's like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. That's not going to be me. He yeah. has no desire to be those guys. And and he's done what he's needed to do. That's the other thing, too. Is like once you get to fighting someone like a Khabib, right? He's fought Khabib. He fought him for for the, the interim. Was the interim title or was the real title? No, that was the title. That was for the, that was, that that was for the for real the title. title. So he gets there. He fights Khabib. You know, he doesn't get, doesn't get the win. But... He's in there. He goes five rounds of them. Has a good performance, considering all things considered, that went on during yeah, that Yeah, because he was supposed to fight, fight. He was supposed to fight Paul Felder. <clears throat> yeah. You, you want to talk a little bit of a change in opponent and, and you know style yeah, stuff? Holy Christ. Yeah. So uh, just a big step up for him and just trying that. Once you've got there and you realize that you didn't get it done then, it's almost like rewinding and going, gosh, i got to kind of start over again. You're not really starting over because you know you did the UFC a favor and they knew that. So they, they kind of like, hey, we put you in there. Let's go ahead and try and do something. But then after that, there was a little bit of time where he went back and did some real estate, came back. When you're doing another side job that's fully kind of committed to you, that's bringing you, a, you know, your bread and butter in, yeah. it's hard. It's really hard to be committed to both. And so he's probably doing a half-assed job. And, and not that he's not a great fighter or a good fighter. He's a really good fighter. It's tough. just that it's hard. You've got to be fully committed. Like you said, you can't play fighting. This is not playing MMA. You're not playing boxing. You have to be fully committed in the fight game, whether it's boxing, whether it's taekwondo, whether it's kickboxing, whether it's MMA. You've got to be fully committed if you want to be one of the best. And he's got up to the top. He's never achieved the you know that top goal, but... He's got to the top, and he's fought a lot of the who's who. If you look at the people that he's fought, some of them now are still in that top rankings, like you'd say, like a Mazadal. You know what I mean? Like, those guys are there. And so it was, I'm glad to say that those guys that hang on too long are the ones that we get concerned about. Yep. He's a real – this kid's a real kid. He talks about how, man, I don't want to do this. This is probably it for me. I'm done. I just don't want to do it anymore. You know, and he's like, I'm not a quitter. But like in that moment when I got when I was, you know, wobbled and hurt a little bit, he's like, I wasn't out. He's like, I just do, just was thinking to myself, I didn't want to be here. Yep. And then when you when you start telling yourself that, that's when you realize you're almost done or you are done. You are done. You know, it's like, OK, look, you either need to find something that snaps you out of it, something that motivates you to snap you out of it. Or just right off into the sunset, man, it's over. And I'm glad that he can actually come to grips with the fact, like, what are you doing it for? You know, are you still doing it? Like we've talked about this a bunch of times. Are you doing it for the money? Then fine. Do it for the money. But he's got another job that produces. It sounds like it produces pretty decent money. Yeah. You know, Cause every time he fights, he ends up getting a couple more contracts. Hell yeah. You know, people want to buy. One thing he's going to miss wanna, out of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's that, but you know, I think his name carries some weight probably in his local area. So he's probably pulling some, probably pulling a lot of bids, you know, whether it's uh, selling a house or buying, you know, his people are buying houses. Yep. He's able to, you know, to pull some bids that way. So I'm glad it's, it's always nice to see when fighters can realize that it's time, 
it's hard. Like that was, a, that was honestly, it took me a couple of years to make that decision. I mean, it was probably about two years when I finally just decided like, Hey, this ain't for me anymore. Well, I, wanted, I wanted to sleep on it. Come on. You, give, we talked about it. You know, you came to me and said, Hey man, you know, I've been thinking this. What do you think? You know, and we, we, we talked about it and man, when you're having those questions about doing this and Hey, is it fun for you anymore? Are you enjoying the process? Because you got to enjoy the process, even though yeah. it's miserable at times. That's when you got to say I, you have to enjoy it because to go through that misery, misery and being miserable about it just makes it to where man, it's just not worth it. Yeah, I mean, the hardest part I think for me, John, was this that I left a lot of money on the sure. Table. There yeah. was a ton of money still left there. I was like, oh, I can just do it three more times. Well, there's a lot of things can go wrong in three fights, yeah, you know, and for the amount of money I was getting paid, I mean, I left a lot of money on the table. And so you start questioning, like, okay, what do I want to do? Then when the, when the, the opportunity came to become an analyst for a longer term, you know, period, and they said, hey, we'd like to lock you down for a little bit. I said, okay, look, then I'll finally announce my retirement. This is good. This is a sign. Like, hey, this is something that I needed. I need to have. Sure, I'm not making what I'm making, you know, being a fighter, but I'm also not getting punched in the face. I get to talk about what you Bingo. love to do. Now, with him, he's got an alternative, which is great. He's got the alternative, you know, dealing real estate, and I wish him nothing but the best in that. And I think it was a brilliant decision on stopping fighting. If your heart's not in it, you got to bounce out. Just, you know, it doesn't mean you stop loving it. It doesn't mean you stop training, probably. Just keep doing what you're doing. But, you know, don't get punched in the face anymore. And he's a real guy. Like, I've been out with him. He's a great, great kid, man. I, and I call him a kid because he's a little bit younger than me. But he's he when I hung around with him, he was fun. We had, did trap and skeet in Sioux Falls. Uh, South Dakota. We had a great time. He's the only guy out there ripping his shirt off, shooting shotguns, boom, 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 just having a blast. Just a great, great person, all around great person. So yeah, well, I wish him nothing but the best. There you go. Al, thank you very much for the great entertainment, the good times, watching you uh, have some incredible moments, and the best of luck to you and everything that you do in the future. The best of luck in your real estate career. And, and you know what? You, you you gave it you gave it all you don't have to be, feel bad about anything you were awesome so thank you yep. thank you all mm. right what's next what you got for us podcast dave all right, come let's on hop dave into this next oh, one oh, oh, oh. um john jones crack. announced yeah john jones came out and announced that um he this is what he's tweeted Breaking news, I'm excited to announce that I'll be competing for the number one grappling organization in the world, Fury Grappling, December 9th. I'll be in New Jersey competing against WWE superstar and undefeated Bellator heavyweight Jack Swagger. Then Jack comes out, or rather Jake comes out and says, first of all, it's AEW and undefeated Bellator heavyweight Jake Hager. Secondly, no terms have been discussed or contract signed. We can talk if terms are right. John comes out and says... <laughs> Come on, people, let's get Jake to 1 million followers. Sorry, I didn't know who you were. Laugh out loud. I, I thought we talked about this last week. No, we uh, didn't talk about this. No, we, we got no, to it. We were, we, talk, we were going to, and then we let it go. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, so um, you obviously know that John Jones knows who he is. That's one thing. <laughs> So and I think that obviously they're playing they're they're playing this the shtick it's the shtick back and forth they're eventually gonna probably get this thing signed they're gonna have a little bit of fun with it that's what I, I like that I like John's having fun with it a little bit and I think that I, what he's doing is he's, he's trying to be he's trying to be the big brother he's like I'm gonna show you that I'm the bigger better athlete than you not just that but I'm the bigger star than you I don't know if that's true because the the AEW and the WWE all that type fan stuff is pretty damn big but I mean it's it's gonna be it's pretty kind of close I think but. Regardless, 
it's it's I think it'll be fun. Like, you know, let's not forget. Jake Hager is a good wrestler. He was a two time All American at the University of Oklahoma. Yep. I know that he, he's what, six eight? I think he's what he is. No, he's not. He's six, about six? six five, six six. Six six? Okay, six five. But he's six, every six, bit six, as okay. long as, as John. As John. Yeah, so yeah. it makes for fun. I had a little chance and to wrestle with him in uh in Hawaii. He's a good he's a good wrestler. Look at he went thirty he won thirty matches his senior year at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. he can wrestle. And not that John can't wrestle, but Jake can wrestle and still can wrestle, and yeah. it's not you know professional wrestling when it comes to it. He can, he, can, he if it was a fight, John Jones got it. He's just yeah. a better overall fighter in grappling. He may be the better submission guy, but wrestling wise, he's not better. He may be as good, but he's not better. So he's and and he's going to be going up against a big guy too because look at Hager is weighing in at two sixty five. You know, he's going to be up there. He probably, yeah. Eh. Submission's going to go to John Jones. I said that. Oh, okay, okay. I, I thought said you that. said that he's not better. I thought you said he's no, not no. better. I think, you know, okay. submission-wise, I think, you know, he, he may be better in submissions and stuff. I'll give him that. But as far as wrestling, he's not better. He may be as good, but. Jake Jay can wrestle. Like, yeah, we Jay were, can And I know I'm smaller. You guys, I'm a lot smaller. Not even a little bit smaller. I'm a lot smaller <laughs> than Jake Hager. Okay, but, I mean, he he's still got a little bit of a fast shot. He's got long reach. Oof. He's still pretty strong. He's got he's has per- technically sound technique, and for a big guy like that to be able to get down on a, on a on an ankle pick on me, it was pretty nice, pretty impressed. I mean, I wasn't expecting it, but regardless, <laughs> I got to tip my hat to the big guy for getting his big ass all the way down there to fucking snatch my ankle. I was like, man, I didn't even think you were that flexible. That's like shit. And again, he's got an so, eighty inch reach, so yeah, something <laughs> like that. But still, it was. It was fun to see, uh, f- fun to tussle around with him a little bit. He's a big boy, though. Yeah. He's a great guy. He's so fun to be around. Like, all the stuff we did with him in Hawaii for the troops and everything, he's just energetic and yep. just a great person. So, yeah, I think I would be, I'd love to see that. Just be, it would just be fun. It'd be fun to see, and um, good luck to both of them. Next. All right, this next one um, from over the weekend. Did you guys catch the Hamza versus Jack Hermanson uh, wrestling yes. match? John's got a lot to say about this, so... John's John's got a lot to say about. Well, this. okay, let's let's just be honest about it, and I, I'm not putting anyone in any bad spot. But Chimaev was smart. He said, "Oh, I'll do a wrestling match." Well, Hermanson's not a wrestler. Hermanson is a grappler. He's a guy that does jujitsu. So when you say we're going to wrestle, that's not grappling because that's a specific sport that is obviously slanted towards the skill set of one. Chimaev, okay? Kamzat was smart. He says, oh, I'll do a wrestling match. He didn't say I would do a grappling match, which would bring in the submission where I think you know, Hermanson might have had a better opportunity to showcase his skills. He was, you know, a little bit out of his element. He did he did okay. He got tossed a couple of times, and but he, yeah. you know, he hung in there tough. You know, he, he never got put in, you know, horrible positions. You can see, you know, and here he gets, tries to toss him to his back, but He's always fighting it off. Yeah, he's it's just not his game. So I look and I go, eh, it, was, it was interesting to watch. You know, it was one sided as far as the skill set for wrestling, and that's what you expected off the beginning. Do you remember that from? I want to say it was back in like ninety eight, maybe ninety nine, but I think it was like nine, maybe it was ninety seven. Remember they did the uh, Frank Shamrock Den Henderson, called the Contenders. Henderson. Yeah, it was called called the, was it called the Contenders? contenders. I thought it was Extreme something. No, because it was, it, it was wrestling uh, versus jujitsu, right? Well, yeah, it was. Um, 
John Peretti, who did Battlecade Extreme Fighting. Mm-hmm. Well, he put together, the, it was called The Contenders, and it was wrestlers, Dan Henderson being one who went against Frank Shamrock, mm-hmm. against submission guys. And uh, it was an interesting, you know, they, they did a good job. There was some good good matches in there and stuff. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a, it didn't go over well in pay-per-view because people are not that in tune to grappling. It's, yeah. You know, they want to see, well, they, no. they want to see punches and kicks. They want to see knockouts. But what, but when you look back at that, right, it was very skewed towards the jiu-jitsu and the grappler because yeah. the wrestlers didn't really know a lot about submissions That's at the right. time. Absolutely. And the ones that did know something about submissions, it was like, it still favored the top level jiu-jitsu guys like a hoist or uh, whoever else was competing. Yeah, I'm trying to remember was. who did Matt Hume was in it. And I can't remember who Matt can't remember who who he uh, competed against, but Matt Hume was in it, hmm. you know, and a great submission guy, and he won the match. I want to say, was it Kenny Monday? I can't remember. Yeah, hmm. yeah, Kenny that, Monday was it? There you go. Well, yeah. look at That's, that. That still Volt. I guess you still got a little bit. Good guess. <laughs> <laughs> Good guess. Good guess. Oh man. Yeah, but this is like kind of more of a one-sided situation when you're just talking wrestling. Yeah, no submission attempts, going having to go belly down versus going to your back and pulling guard and hitting submissions yep. or attacking on transition. Yeah, I got you. I understand. All right, what's next, Dave? All <laughs> right, uh, next story um, comes from Dan Hooker's Twitter or Instagram rather, and he showed a video of himself on the scale weighing 145 pounds. Mm-hmm. Six, what is he? Six one, six foot, six yeah. one, weighing one forty five. I mean, I don't know if his chin's going to be the same, but I think body wise, I mean, he's obviously going to be a lot bigger than all of them. But if you compare him to say like a Conor McGregor, look how dominant Conor was, and he's got good stand up. I wouldn't say it's as good as Conor's, but it's effective. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, you know, I, if I look at that weight class, I would love to see him at Max Holloway. I'd love to see guys. Who else is in that weight class there to fight uh, at 145? You oh got my him, God, Max, so many. Jair, Zombie. I mean, you've Ortega. Got, yeah. I, I mean, mean, there's a ton. Calvin Cater. Him and Calvin Cater would be a freaking barn burner. Him and Arnold Allen would be good. You know what I mean? So, uh, Korean Zombie, Calvin Cater, uh, Yair, Brian Ortega, Max Holloway. I mean, if he's going to come down, if he's going to come to 45, I'd like to see him fight Calvin Cater first. Get him right into that mix. Damn, look at you. You got, you or, got or, or, no, or, no sympathy. Or Giga. How about Giga, Giga Chikadze? Giga Chikadze oh. would be a great fight. Him and him and Giga would be great. i like to see that fight. Zabit's the they, same size as him. What? Zabit's the same height as him. Yeah, but Z, yep. Zabit's not in that. He's yeah. not there. He's not back yet. Yeah, but no, be. I understand. I, Zabit Supposedly coming too. back. Supposedly, yeah. He said he's... His coach is saying that his his uh, issues are starting to heal up and he's getting better and everything. He's, the motivation's back again. So hopefully we see him come back because I believe he can be the champ. I truly believe it. He's Good got, everywhere. He's going to need a, t- a tune-up fight. But oh yeah, I don't know if there's a whole lot of tune-up fights in that weight class. Though, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> fucking poor guy. I mean, you're going to come back. I mean, you're not going to get a tune-up fight until you get all the way down to like Yusuf. <laughs> you know, like. Uh, maybe him and Shane Burgos. I don't know. Somewhere in there. That's Shane Burgos is, is not, not an easy fight, fight for anyone, man. That's a tough I dude. I know. That's the thing. I mean, like, Ooh. I got to give him a name value. I don't know, man. Uh, that's in Barboza? Uh, 
I thought too. That's not an easy fight either. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to just come back after. The, the real thing long. to look at, though, in that that situation is, okay, he can make the weight, we'll say, because he made it this time. But what effect does it have on him? And what effect does it have on his performance? Is that cutting too much weight? Like you said, is that going to affect his chin? Because many times when you dehydrate yourself to that point, it has a serious impact on your ability to take any type of shot at all. And shots that you would walk through all of a sudden are wobbling you and you're in trouble. So we're going to have to see. And we'll have to see. Is it is it a, is it a good move or is it one that, you know what, it's too much? And the other part is, look, when you go down, those sons of bitches are faster. Okay? And, yes, you've got length. and Yes, you're strong. But, man, speed's a bitch because when you can't catch that guy, that's, that's trouble. He starts lighting you up and you keep on reaching and you're not touching him. So there's a balance there, and you have to you have to look at that and weigh that balance and say, is it worth it, and is it the right move? Yeah, I agree. I agree. But hey, if he does make the weight and he had to, and his chin holds up, I wish him nothing but the best. Man, oh, I actually, I really appreciate guys that can do what he does. You know, he stuck around. He's still here. I believe he's at the UFC Institute in Vegas. He's just trying to keep his weight down. He, he realizes going back home is not really an option because of all the quarantine situations going on over there. I mean, <clears throat> it's a shit situation. It sounds like, and you know what they're doing over there for them. So, in terms of athletes having to go back and forth, but didn't he wasn't he able to bring his family out with him? Yeah, his family's here now. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what why. Maybe reason why he's staying. Yeah. So, I mean, he's made enough money now where he can afford. I think I think the UFC's probably helped take care of him so they can fill him in wherever he needs. But uh, you know, nothing but lo- nothing but love for him, man. I love I love when guys are called on short notice. Guys that can just step up. He reminds me a little bit of that Donald Cerrone. You know, hopefully he gets to the big. Hopefully he gets an opportunity, and works his way back up to a title shot because I think he's still young. What is he like, twenty four? No, maybe. No. Yeah, he's young. Twenty four, twenty six. Yeah, he's. Are you something. kidding? Yeah, he's young. He's twenty four or twenty six, I think. <clears throat> yeah, I think he's young. Uh, there we go. It's thirty one. Oh Jesus! Where, where <laughs> do I get twenty four? Who the hell? Where the hell do I get twenty four? Hey, I don't know, but he's loving you because you're making him young as shit. Hey, whatever, man. I love guys that just come in and fight, man. That's awesome. Uh, Tip my hat to them. All right, next. All right, uh, let's talk about this hilarious Twitter <laughs> exchange oh, that happened today. Um, Jake Paul, um, basically Nate Diaz and Jake Paul, right? They've been going at it. Um, uh, Jake Paul says to Nate, you have six times as many losses as Ben Askren. Let that sink in. Um, and Nate Diaz says, he sucks, Jake. You'd get smoked in a real fight, though. You can't really fight. Boxing matches with wrestles only. Let that sink in. Ben <laughs> Ben decides to chime in and says, uh, Nate is right. I sucked at boxing. He sucks at uh, MMA. If he wants me to prove it, I can be in the Utah pool tomorrow. Would be happy he'd be the last fight in his contract. Jake Paul says, I own the entire city of Stockton. Let that sink in. And Askren says, you would have to be an idiot to think Nate beats me in an MMA fight doesn't end there. Askin then says, real men run towards danger, cowards run away, and there's a picture of Askin getting kneed in the face by Masvidal and Nate Diaz running away from Masvidal. I don't think he's running away. He is coming in for a flying sidekick, actually going towards Masvidal because no one from the 209 runs away. You obviously didn't watch that fight. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) 
That's the opening <laughs> bell right there when Mazadal runs across and just thinking about throwing the fly. That you know, was exactly yeah. it was. It was like the first start of the fight. Yeah, I thought it was like great. I'm not going to end up as your highlight reel, dog. <laughs> nah, we're good. Nah, yeah. Um, I think it's fun. I think it's good banter all the way around. I still believe that Nate and I said this over a month ago. I still believe Nate is just going to fight his last fight and he's going to bounce out, potentially try to work on a fight with Jake Paul. Or whoever else in a boxing. Okay, before you go, before you go any farther with that, since you say that he's going to fight his last fight, who will his last fight be? You know, it's really going to come down. Here's the thing: the UFC is going to try to get him beat. They're going to try to get him to fight whoever, somebody in the top, in the top probably five or six, not in five, seven, five, six, seven, eight. You know, really tough. You know, they want him to fight Chimaev. Yeah, if he turns it down, that extends his contract for four or six months. I know. So they're just going to keep offering him the Chimaev fight. You know, they want him to fight Chimaev, and it's like not a good fight for him at all. No, they want they want Chimaev to have that name on his record. Yeah, but that's not a good fight for Nate Diaz, and Nate Diaz should turn it down. But the problem is, every time he turns it down, extends his contract. There you go. And he wants to box the man he's talking with. Yeah, Dave, pull up the the rankings. That's why that's why Jake's uh, chiming in because he knows that there's probably already been some buzz between the oh, two yeah. of them behind closed doors talking about let's make this shit happen, let's make some money. Like if you're gonna put him in there with somebody, he doesn't want to quite. He's, they're gonna try to put him in. I would say with someone like a Bilal Muhammad. I mean, maybe a Stephen Thompson because he ain't taking Stephen Thompson down. No, you know, and Stephen's gonna piece him up on the feet. You know what I mean? Steven can handle the cardio, the pressure, all that stuff. He fights really well under pressure. I mean, I understand. I, I believe the Chimaev thing is the most real situation. Um, <clears throat> I want to know why it's Monday and Sean Brady's still at number 14. That's what I wanted to fucking know. <laughs> you guys got to fix that shit. <laughs> you guys got to fix that. Uh, but, I, I mean, I could see them potentially giving him someone like a Sean Brady. I could see that happening. I don't know. I, if you want to have a, a fight that seems to be would be entertaining, at that, you know, in the welterweight, if you're, if you're going to have uh, Nate stay at 170, I think uh, Ponzinibbio, that would be a fun fight. Yeah, yeah, but then remember when Nate came out and he said, I ain't fighting nobody unless it's in the top three? Well, that just fucks you up. <laughs> now you're just going to keep extending your contract. Yeah. <clears throat> They're not going to give you someone in the top three in your last fight on your contract. No. Now, look, he, look, you guys, when I say that I think he's going to leave, I have no fucking clue. Okay, I'm, I mean, like, I don't I don't have the insider track on that. I'm just simply saying that I believe at this moment right now, he's leveraging one of two things. He's trying to get more money than he normally gets for him to stay. That's what that's what the Diaz brothers have done. They've Good done it forever. For this that's what the Diaz brothers have done, and they've done it forever. Okay. I've we've I won't say we came up together, but we've been around in the same organizations. We've come, we've lived in the same area. I'm friends with Jake Shields, Gilbert Melendez. We all talk. We talk about, hey, this is kind of how we want to approach our contracts. Fighters talk, especially us in the Bay Area. We have found ways to communicate with each other and like, hey, what are you making? Hey, you doing well? Like, hey, how'd your contract go? You know, and we just figured it out, you know, like, and I think I really believe he's either leveraging the Jake Paul situation to go to boxing. Or he's to to get more money in the UFC for him to stay, or he's really con, con, he's really thinking about bouncing out to get that fight because all he's got to do is fight Jake Paul, say one time. If the, and I'm sure there's an automatic repeat, uh, what's it called, uh, rematch clause in it. If he beats Jake, they're gonna they're gonna fight again, and it's gonna end up being a bigger pay per view the second time, you know. And so 
they're 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 gonna make a ton of money. I'd say they're probably between the two of them for those for those two boxing matches, they probably ain't make anywhere between eight to fifteen million. You know, and that's more than he's making in the UFC. I'm just being honest. Right. And so if that if that's the case, you know, he's only got to fight two times to make, let's say, if he makes eight, so sixteen to eighteen million dollars for for two fights, that's more than he's made in any of his UFC fights. So why not? Why would he not go and bounce out? I mean, I don't know what I can't say really what he made for the for the the Connor fight. The second Connor fight, he, had, he made the very good. Second Connor fight, I'm sure he made really good money. He made very. It wasn't eight, but he made good money. Yeah, he made good money. So I mean, he's doing well, you know. But I think I think he understands that the Jake Paul is not. Jake Paul is not any of these guys. He's not a Gilbert Burns, a Colby no. Covington, a Leon Edwards, <laughs> a Vicente Luque, a Steven. T- he's, he's Jake Paul is not any of those type of guys. Nope. And in boxing, when you have to worry about getting kicked, Nate's biggest weakness is not learning how to check kicks, and he's not physically strong. So those are his weaknesses. He can't wrestle. He's not a very good wrestler. He's got a great guillotine, great triangle, great submissions. Okay, but he's got a he's got good boxing. It's long. He's he knows how to stick and move. He but his issue is it leg kicks with the calf kick coming in now. It's starting to it's going to take away from a lot of what he does, and people are figuring that out. And so. I think that it'd be smart for him to bounce out, get those two boxing matches. He's got to beat Jake Paul the first time. Otherwise, he ain't getting a rematch. If he beats him the first time and they fight the second time, that second one will be even more. You know, and if he beats him again, if he loses to him the second time, I mean, I could see possibly a third, depending on how close it is. But I could also see if he beats him twice, that they both just ride off into the sunset, take their money and run, which is beautiful. Huh? So that's something you want for for someone who's at his age. What is he, 33? Nate's, Nate's what, 36. 33? Oh, 36. 36, so he's 36. Yeah, just do it, man. Like that, He wants out. That That's my personal opinion because you don't want to fight those guys in murderer's row in the top 10 in the UFC because that's what he's been doing his whole damn career. He's been fighting the best guys. He's been staking his claim like, I'm going to whoop all these dudes' asses. So, you know, I'm a big fan of his. That's why. So I like what he does. I think he should leave and he should fight Jake and make the money. I'm all what for you, it. What do you think? Nah, yeah. well, you know, you take a look and you say, he's done it all. He really has. The only thing he hasn't done, he's, he hasn't won that title. Okay? Yeah. I don't think he cares as much about titles as he cares about greens. He cares about the Benjamins. And, Which you know, greens? He, the, he cares about both greens. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. He, he cares, cares about, about the, the green. greens. He cares, he cares about, about the, the greens. greens. He cares about the Benjamins, and he cares about the ganja. <laughs> and it's all it's all good, man. You know, hey, it's uh, he, I love it. Take a look at a guy that you know has made a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing good, and he can, continues to do better. He's invested in a lot of good stuff. Uh, it, if he takes those fights with Jake Paul, he's gonna make a lot more money, and he's set. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, like you got to look at it too. He's got a family now. He's got you know a little one, and I think it's just it, it starts to start to wear on you. Like, okay, look, life after fighting is real. When you hit that thirty five, <laughs> thirty six, thirty seven year old man, you start life after fighting is real. You start thinking about that type of shit. Well, yeah, you know, and you want to be around. Yeah. So, you got uh, other right, things that are important. Yes. All right, guys, go to mybookie.ag. Like I said, mybookie.ag. Use that promo code WAYNEIN. And when you guys use that QR code right there, they're going to give you a little bit of extra spending cash for your first time when you sign up. So make sure you guys go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code WAYNEIN. Now, all the sports are developing right now. I was at a hockey game last night. 
I put a little bit of money down on that. Came out a little bit on top. I bet on the Capitals against my San Jose Sharks. Came out on top. I know, I know. I'm one of those guys. So bet against the hometown team. I understand. But, hey, money was uh, was on the table, and I had to make sure that I got the win. Caps came out on top. Now, football's coming up. My Chiefs are playing Dallas this weekend. I'm going to stay away from that, by the way. That's uh, one of those games I'm a little nervous about. But a little extra spending cash at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code WAYNEIN. They're going to give you some extra money with that QR code right there. And you guys just enjoy the sports season that is available right now. Plenty of things to, to bet on. Now, with the MMA stuff coming up in December, big time pay-per-view card for the UFC. Bellator's last card, December 3rd, is an absolute barn burner of a fight. Plenty of fights on that card for you guys to put some money down on. So let's have some fun. John and I will be doing... Um, our special segment of weighing in on the odds, and you guys can get your information from us to go ahead and make a little bit more money at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code weighing in. All right, let's hop into some fan questions now. Uh, we're going to hop into this first one here from Jake Saint. Hey guys, been a huge fan of the podcast since the beginning, and I'm always refreshing my page ready for the next upload following a fight. Not the most serious question, but I've been watching Game of Thrones and I can't help but think that Josh has a doppelganger in Jamie ha- Lannister. Again, love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Much love from Nova Scotia, Canada. Oh, uh, Nova Scotia. I love you guys. I love you guys. Got some good lobster up there, by the way. So, um, yeah, it's bomb lobster up there. Good lobster fishing or lobster, whatever, lobstering, I guess is what you call it, right? Uh, but yeah, no, I don't thing? think I look anything like him. But uh, mm-hmm. hey, whatever, man. The guy's rich. He's famous. So, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, dude, like, you know what? He's rich. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out there. Jamie Lannister started off as a weirdo who was banging his own sister. Oh yeah, okay. that's great. Yeah, I know. So I was <laughs> thinking, great. you know what? No, <laughs> yeah, right. But he does kind of look like you, Josh. And I, and I will say, he ended up. Being a fucking pretty stand-up dude near the end, man. He actually kind of went you know, the right way, even though he was still the weirdo that did the stuff. But now he doesn't really look like it. Even at the end, he was banging his own sister. He was still really banging bad. his own sister at the end. Yeah, how, how yeah I don't know how I happen? feel about that. And then he lost one hand, so he can only jerk off with one hand now. That's not fair. Yeah, but sucks. dude, that made him ultra good at that side. Yeah, that's possibly true. Yeah, yeah. I bet his forearm strength was fucking on point. <laughs> All right, next. All right, next question um, comes from Dylan Warren. Hey, Josh, you... Sorry, hey, John, you refereed the fight that made me an MMA fan, which was Law McDonald 2. Could you explain your thoughts of the fight while the fight was happening, ranging from the damage you were seeing uh, occur and the epic moments it provided, such as the stare down at the end of round four. Thanks for the great content, guys. Keep it tall, long, and lanky. You two junkyard dogs. Oh, I like that, man. He pulled it all in there. That's good. Um, you know, I've talked about this before with uh, Rory and uh, and Robbie. There's a lot. There was a lot. There's uh, how you say it. There's a, there was a lot going on that people that are just watching they don't understand. What happened in the beginning of that fight is Rory got his nose broken in the first round. And then it got hit again in the second. It was really, he was aspirating blood, meaning that he had blood running down the back of his throat and he's swallowing that. And that doesn't mean anything because, you know, eventually you swallow enough, you're going to puke it out. But it's when he's breathing because he can't breathe through his nose, he was gulping air through his mouth, which means that little particles of blood little droplets are actually going down into his lungs and starting to take away 
his lungs ability to effectively you know disperse the oxygen throughout his body that he needs to have happen so that was one element that was happening in the fight and you could see as the fight was going on how he would have moments of he would have energy and then he would tend to die off when he would do something that took that energy and he would die off pretty fast and it took him a while to come back and every round when it got to the end he was he was kind of having problems you know not that he was having problems so much in the fight there was times he was doing well at the end of the round but he was putting out a lot of energy and he would come back the next round but then start to tail off a little bit you know Robbie had multiple things he had a he had about a 3 inch gash on the top of his skull and he had the the tear in his lip also and stuff so that when iconic it, picture of him yelling and that thing was just dude, fucking the, wide yeah, open the best one oh. Dana White almost fucking shit himself because because you know, fucking Robbie said something and his fucking lip kind of flopped and Dana White was like oh my god get that away from me He's like, I can't take that <laughs> I was god. laughing it was like for a guy who's watched all these fights and stuff Dana's squeamish about certain things that cut lip was one of them it was funny but, it's one of those things when you see that picture of him yelling, awesome. Bobby Lawler yelling, and it's just it's pulled open. Awesome. How painful that must have been to yell at that moment, going, ah, and then that shit's just splitting even more, probably. Oh, God. I, it makes me cringe. <laughs> so, what happened at the end of the fourth round, you know, is I come in between them because, you know, I'll, you'll see me put my arm in between because I use that as, the, as my my ability to say whether something would be late as far as a punch thrown or anything. Cause there's a concept behind it. So, uh, I knew that Robbie was behind me and they started to have a, just, you know, that one word was said and, and I see Rory turn from the one word and he kind of starts coming back towards him. And, and the only thing that I was thinking it had nothing to do with, you know, you can take a look at that moment and people talk about it and it's iconic and stuff. My only concern was that Rory got back to his corner so the cut man had time to work on him because he needed to have things done. He was a fucking mess. He had cuts inside of his mouth that were bad. His nose was bad. He had cuts over the eyes. He was, I mean, this is where you talk about those fights where eventually your body just starts to shut down. You know, you're trying, you're doing everything, you're putting up with pain, you're putting up with discomfort, and you're telling yourself, I can go, and you know, and most of the time we'll always say that your body will readily go where your mind's already been. So if you're if your mind is tough and you tell yourself you're gonna go, you can continue to go until you've been in too many car crashes. And in that fight he was in too many car crashes, eventually his body shut down and his ability to stay up and to, to to fight on was gone but you know the whole thing with that fourth round in between was i wanted him to get over to his corner and so i said hey you know let's go and he didn't want to back down from robbie and i could hear you know i could hear robbie right behind me and i said hey let's just go right and i saw stitch coming in and stitch is always you know he's a great cut man and he he always comes in and he he tries to meet the fighter before they get to the corner because that's just extra seconds that he has to work with them and so i saw him coming in i knew that he was in robbie's corner and i wanted to get you know rory back to his so they could work on him and that was the thing i was thinking about you know at that time and then when the fight got into the fifth it was only you know about a minute into the fifth it was over and stuff but 
unbelievable fight by both guys. They were both just, they, they both had that moment of time where both of them were just too goddamn tough for their own good. If you guys haven't listened to um, what John just talked about, um, where Robbie's, or not Robbie, but <clears throat> Roy's body just shuts down. I do a I do a, a quick little preview of what happened to me right after the Tony fight, and Dave cut a clip. It's in our clips channel. You guys can check it out. And it they just, need to it, check it out. Yeah, it's exactly. I bre- I give you guys a full breakdown, and John knows what I'm talking about. Your body does. Like he, my brain was telling me I could keep going, and I kept going. And after the fight, I felt fine. But when I got back to the locker room and no one was around me, and there's no more adrenaline, it's not the same. And so if you guys get a chance to go into our clip channel, I don't know what it's called. What's it called, Dave? Uh, it's actually not on the clips channel. It's before we had a clips channel. It's, um, okay. it's on the main channel, and it's called Josh Thompson Tells Chilling Story from Tony Ferguson Fight. Okay, so if you guys can research that, you guys can, and it gives you, I, I try to give you guys a real feeling of what it's like afterwards. Like for fighters, when you guys watch us in the cage, we love that portion of it. We'd love to put on a show for all, every every fan that's out there. That's what we want to do. We it, like John talks about. We're we're pretty much addicted to that feeling of win or lose. Sure, of course, it's better when you win. But knowing, like when you saw Chandler walk out of the cage the other day, and then he was like, "Are you not entertained?" It's that excitement of like knowing that you put on a fight for the fans that they're never going to probably forget. You know, and that's something you want to be that, that you, you carry with you throughout the rest of your life. You'll be you remembered. You, you laid it all on the line for that moment. And people were going to remember that someone's going to remember that. And that's all you care about. And so it's a, it's a really chilling story to, to even when I think about it now, of what my body went through in the locker room, showering, getting stitched, all of those things. It's just it's it's a reality when you're talking about Roy McDonald, same thing. And his body shut down in the cage, but it, it was also a five round fight. Mine was only a three round fight. I couldn't tell you if I could have went another two rounds you know, with the type of damage I had taken in the first three. Yep. So <clears throat> Roy's a fucking animal. He's a stud. He's just been, he's been through the ringer so many times, came out on top so many times, come out, didn't come out on top a couple of times, yep. but man, we say it all the time. There's those type of fights that just uh, you leave a little bit of you inside the cage every single time. Eventually, it adds up. And so it's hard. It's hard. But, I mean, overall, the fans were definitely entertained in that fight. It was one of the greatest fights in history. So it's uh, look back. If you guys get a chance, go back and watch that fight and just see his body, what John was talking about. Watch his body start to break down a little bit as it goes on. You know, and uh, you know, and then listen to what I what our clip not our clips channel, but listen to that video that I did, you know, talking about the Tony Ferguson fight as well. So uh, next Abayomi Maha asks, fellas, Kobe claims he walks around at 180, similar to Connor, Khabib, and Dustin. They ain't making Kobe versus Usman 3 soon. Could I move to 55, be his quickest route back to the title, especially if Poirier and Gaethje, or Gaethje are champ. The rivalry with Kobe is already there, and if there isn't champ, one against, one win against either guy makes him the number one contender. Hashtag in still. All right, the last little bit, you confused the shit out of me because you can't read. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Um, yeah, th- there is a little bit of that drama with the Poirier and the Gagey situation because with Dustin Poirier, he used to train with him. Poirier, or, people are giving me a hard time for how I say his name. John, how do you say his name? Poirier. Okay, that's how I say Poirier. I don't know why they keep giving me a hard time. Josh can't say his name. I thought it was Dustin There's Poirier. There's an R in there. <clears throat> yeah, but it's not Poirier. 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 Yeah. Um, it's because so it's him, from Louisiana. 
Come on. Yeah, but Brent. they used to train together. They used to train together. There's a little bit of bad blood between them as well. And then there's the Gaethje situation because of the Usman situation. So because they train now, Usman and him train together. There's that back and forth they've had also online. Look, either way, I would I'd pay to see that fight. I just don't know if he'd be the same fighter at 155. I heard he has a little bit of a hard time making weight. People say he's at 180, but not a lot. Of, he's already kind of a lean guy. Not a lot of people can make that. That's a 15-pound cut on that's top of the 10 he's already cut. cutting. Right. Well, that's it's a, a big, big cut. from cut. If he's 180, cutting down to you know 155, Yeah, you're talking about a lot of weight. That's 25 mm-hmm. freaking pounds, man. It's not I, easy. We talked about... We talked about Hooker earlier, but Hooker's going from 55 to 45. He's not going pounds. from 70 to 55. So that's the, that's the difference between those the extra things. five pounds. They're huge. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. So um, I, I don't know how I feel about that, Phil. How do you feel about that? I don't think he can make the weight. I'm just being oh, honest. I think he's pretty. He's a lean guy as it is. It's not like he's got a lot to lose. And if he – I haven't heard where, you know, he's having a horrible time making weight. But I've heard I've heard that hey he he's he's got to you know do a lot to to get that mm-hmm. weight off, which is normal and that's why he's at one seventy he's a big frame and he would be a huge frame at one fifty five, but it might take everything out of him because the one thing that you know really makes Colby part of who he is is his ability to keep pushing a pace to have energy to be able to be a guy that can break other guys with that pace and with that energy and if you lose that. It changes who you are as a fighter, so uh, I think he should stay right where he's at. Yeah, he's not a fast guy either, and so when you drop to fifty-five, those guys are going to be fast. You know, like if I if you if we were to pull up the fifty-five, and Justin Gage is not a super fast guy, but if you start putting him in the mix with like who, Islam's not oh. super fast. Chandler's explosive and fast. I mean, I guess not. I mean, I guess like none of the guys there are really that fast. Nope. Islam's not super fast. Chandler's fast. Uh, Dos Anjos is not fast because he's older. Tony's not super fast either. Hooker going to Oliver is pretty possibly. fast. Conor McGregor. Oliver is pretty fast. Yes, yeah. you are right about that. Uh, Dustin's not fast, but he, 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 I think he's on point. Like in terms of like, he's straight to the target. He's accurate because he throws yeah. a lot of straight shots and then follows it up with power. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Connor's fast. Uh, but I don't know. I don't really see a whole lot of guys. Yeah, I mean, the guy's not at 55 or not no. that fast. I guess maybe you'd have a chance. It's just, it depends on how the weight cut goes. That's how it all goes down. Next. Uh, hold on one second here. Uh, from Snow Miser. Should MMA get away from using a cage instead and instead use a hockey rink style setup and be the same size as the cage, clear walls so you can still see everything and prevent cage grabs? You're a yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm talking about. We need to have hockey walls. We need to have walls and hard plexiglass for someone to ram their head into. Yes, that's a fantastic idea. I wish we would have thought of this sooner. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, is a, is a cage really any different, though? Is yeah. the cage any different? Yeah, the, fl- yeah. the flex of the, the chain link is at least enough. To where it's not a hard object. It, it, it hurts. Yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't. But it's it's much softer than a hard plexiglass. Look, at I, I'm telling you right now. They thought about using plexiglass in the very beginning. Right? To try to make it to where people could, you know, oh, see through it and stuff like that. It was like, mm-hmm. really? So I'm going to double leg someone 
and have them slam their head off of that plexiglass. Not like they're wearing a helmet. Okay, this is like old hockey and stuff. And go ahead and figure out why they have helmets on hockey players now. Not like there wasn't enough concussions before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You don't want you. It's you can't have something in that fashion. You know, like I said, and like you're saying, the cage is hard enough as it is. It's not like oh, it's cushiony. It's not. Yeah. And you're gonna put something harder for the fighter. Come on. I mean, John, you really got to come down to it. Like, screw the, screw the fighters, man. It's all about the viewerships it, for the it's fans. It's all about being be able, able to, to see what's see. going on. I know. Man, I want to be able to see everything without any obstructions in front of me. I pay good money for those front row seats. That's right. I mean, I haven't paid for a front row seat ever, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You you know where I'm getting with Oh, this. yeah. I'm being a smart ass, you guys. Sarcasm, you guys. Sarcasm. If you don't sense it when I'm coming from my mouth, please. <laughs> you guys, I've got to follow along. <laughs> All right, what else? Uh, next question from Joaquin Luna. For both, with more and more MMA stars becoming involved in pro wrestling, will this trend encourage MMA prospects to pursue pro wrestling over be- competing in MMA? For example, Gabriel Stevenson choosing WWE says pro wrestling, like WWE, offers competitive pay, a huge fan base, fewer injuries, and longevity for stars. <laughs> fewer injuries? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no way. Well, Oh man, I th- um, go, go ahead, ahead, John. Uh, I, I, no, <laughs> someone go. Okay, okay, John, John, John. Gable Stevenson choose WWE. Why did he choose WWE? No, he did not. No, really, he did yeah, not choose. He, he he chose them, but yeah. he's he's un- it's basically he's like basically just a endorser. Yes, he's an someone's ambassador. endorsing them. He's an ambassador. He's an ambassador. Just for one year, by the way, because yeah. he's in college, and yeah. it's whatever that new program's called, the LEH or LHI or LHP or whatever it is for re- for college athletes to get paid. Yep. He's allowed to get paid now. Yeah, it's pretty and awesome. So he's an ambassador for the WWE. He will not step foot in that ring uh, to actually really wrestle, uh, but he will maybe go in there and like talk trash. He'll and talk do whatever, trash. He'll be he'll, he'll be at the show. Yeah, but that's it. He will not. He will. There will be no exchanges with him. There will off be no ropes. touching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So none of that will happen as of right now. I mean, maybe after his contract is up and he's done wrestling in college and all those situations and scenarios happen. But um, I do agree that they are paying. They do pay well. But in terms of less injuries, absolutely not. I have no idea where you got that. No, their their career span is very short. And the reason why sometimes you don't see them wrestle as often is because they're fucking hurt. Like Badly. They, they they rehearse these things forever. You don't think they jump off of that top belt or that top turnbuckle or whatever it's top called rope. now, top, top rope, rope. And, and the way they land, you're landing on somebody else. Their body is not just a flat board, okay? And it hurts. When you land, you hurt yourself as well as you hurt the other person. So either way, whether you're doing the landing or you're the one being landed on, that shit hurts. So there's plenty of injuries that go along with it, a lot more than what you think in MMA, a lot more. Yeah, it's a matter of if you're thinking that the you know WWE is the way to have a longer career. A lot of guys don't have longer careers, and a lot of guys you know they fade out based upon. You're looking at working, especially if you're not the guy. You're working two hundred two hundred fifty nights out of the year doing this stunt work because that's what it is. It's stunt work, and stunt work hurts. Mm -hmm. Those the the bumps. They, you know, they're real, and they're they're able to take them because they're trying to 
you know, give space in area, not fall flat on a guy. They're doing everything they can to protect their fellow worker, you know, from injury. But sometimes, although they're trying, they get seriously hurt. And a lot of them have been seriously hurt. So it's uh, not an easy thing and to sit there and say, oh, that's the easier route. I'm not sure it is. And I always say this. I don't care what you want to do. If you want to be an MMA fighter, you need to put 100% into it because no one can just step in there and make it happen with half an effort. doesn't happen. It doesn't happen when an actor wants to fight and he's going to step in there with half an effort. But it's the same as with an MMA fighter wanting to be an actor. Hey, don't step in there with half an effort. You've got to put 100% into that and learn how to act, learn how to do these things. Same with pro wrestling. You'll see guys, you know, get these little bits within the wrestling world, and they it's a small bit, and they can carry that through. But if they want to become the wrestler, hey, man, that's a ton of work. That's a lot to learn because you're not only learning the moves, you're learning how to not hurt your coworker. Okay, you're learning how to take the bumps and how to give the bumps without hurting somebody because that's how you survive in this. So let me even, let me educate you guys a little bit more on the outside of the rehearsals and everything else. <clears throat> a good friend of mine is Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley before he was kind of a big, big deal, you know, early in his career. Then he kind of fizzled out a little bit. He was kind of doing the MMA thing, going back and forth to WWE and coming back and forth. Right. Then when I sat down and talked to him about this whole thing, he's like, look, it's a grind. Like John said, they're working 250 nights out of the 265 or whatever, 365 days, whatever it is. <laughs> it's one of those 200. Like that. <laughs> one of those 65, three something, 265, whatever. They, they, they're working that amount, of, that amount of nights every year. What it is, though, is that every weekend when he got done, Bobby would say, I'm fucking done. I'm done doing this. I don't want to do it anymore. Because what happens is they know when to pay you. He gets he gets home on say Monday morning or Sunday night after his last show, and then he draw he gets he flies home and he gets home and he's like I'm done I'm not going back I'm not going back. Then his paycheck arrives on Tuesday afternoon. He's got to leave to go back on the road on Wednesday, or it arrives Wednesday morning and he leaves Wednesday night to go on the road again. He's like, shit. All right. He looks at the check and he goes back on. But you got to remember though too on the road, it's not first class here and there. They fly into a certain area. And then they land there, they get a rental car, and they drive themselves to and from every venue. Yep. Sometimes the venue's two hours away. So what they do is they go and do their show. Let's just say they did it in Dallas, right? <clears throat> then that night, after the show, driving they get in Austin. the car, and they, they drive to Austin. And then when they get done with Austin, going they, to San they get Antonio. in the car, and they drive in San Antonio. They do a show there, and they get Houston. done in San Antonio. They go to Houston. And that's their four shows for the weekend. And guess what? Then they fly home and they're like, I hate this. I never want to do it again. Now imagine four nights in a row, you just got lumped up, jumping off the top turnbuckle, doing all these other things that they're doing, bashing your head against them, getting kicked in the face, slapped across the chest. Now you got to sit in a car for three or four hours and drive your ass to the next venue that night. Get in at four in the morning, sleep until noon, one o'clock, and then go do it all again the next night. And you have to work out in between all that. Because yep. you got to keep up the physique. You got to keep the pump. Not easy. <laughs> you know, so it's it's not it's not all peaches and cream, man. I know Podcast Dave, his inspiration is to be, 
He wants to aspire to be a WWE guy, but bro, look at his body. He will never be like that. He will never. Have you seen some of the but, guys? Dude, if David Arquette could be champion, so could Podcast Jesus, Dave. Man, exactly. So embarrassing. So embarrassing. Exactly. David Arquette. <laughs> what a guy. Oh, man. I can't I, believe you just spewed this nonsense. I had, dude. Me. Next one, Dave. Let's go. All right. Exo Hype asks for John. Did you have to learn some words or phrases in other languages to communicate with different fighters from around the world while in the cage? Absolutely. You learn certain things. But you cannot sit there and know all the different languages, at least not if you're me because I'm too stupid to learn a bunch of different languages. But, uh, yeah, you learn, you know things in Spanish, you know things in Portuguese, you know things in Russian. But it's basically things like the word fight the things as far as move stop stop (laughs) (laughs) honestly that's what you're you're doing because you've gone in the back and in the back you've talked with an interpreter and all those interpreters are not always exactly what you're saying you know you're you're trying to say hey say this exactly like i said and i need to know what he's he's saying in return but you'll spend time extra time with guys that speak of you know a foreign language look i've gone in and done yeah, the most fights probably were 15 fights in Russia, you know, with one or, uh, on one night. So you know, you're working with 30 different fighters and you've got to get them all to understand exactly what you're saying and what you, what you mean by it and what you expect of them, because that's a big part of, you know, the actual fight game is if they're confused, then there's going to be problems. You don't want them to be confused. You want them to know exactly when you say something, when you say that word, that you're, you know, that's what you're going to do. It's when you get, you know, other guys out there like Matt, Matt Hamill, he was deaf. So you actually had to do certain things to make it different for him. You would give him hand signals. You would hit the mat to do a vibration for him. There was different things that you would do for him that he, that he, he had said that would work for me. And so. You know, you're going to change it up. But, yeah, you, you're going to learn certain things, but you don't know how to speak the language. Yeah, I've interviewed guys from Scotland and Ireland and, and the U.K. <laughs> it's fucking that's, like I need okay. a translator. That's where you, you look and you go, all right, you're supposedly speaking the same language as me, and I don't understand half the words you're saying. That's how I feel about fucking podcast Dave sometimes. <laughs> I have no idea what the hell he's saying. Jeez, there's like words that come out of his mouth. I'm like, are you speaking English at all? <laughs> like, come on. Oh, man. Lord. All right, next. Jason Michaels asks, hashtag and still, as MMA slows down with the upcoming holidays, will John and Josh get together and do a fight companion for us for the Kimbo versus Dada 5000 fight? <laughs> reaction. Oh, that's going to be, that'd be a good we reaction. We could do that dude. one. I'd do that we one. Should do that. We I should do I, that. You know, I'd really have to, to get my... My mental capacity and to have to rehash and relive Fuck. that fight. <laughs> Jeez. Isn't it insane? That's still the what is that? Still the number one viewed show on in Bellator history. Unbelievable. I believe I believe it is. Yeah, probably. That's is. insane. It would have had like four four or six million views. Well, it, it, what the thing that you gotta really look at is I don't I, you can you you look at that show, but then you look at all the shows that Kimbo was part yeah. of. Look at People love that guy. You know, he had he had the most watched MMA fight of all time against James Thompson. That thing on national television, you know, 
over 10 million views at the time. Jeez. You know, it's uh Elite XC, right? Yep. Elite yep. XC. Jeez. Was, man. Uh, That's insane. That was that the ear explosion? Yep. Yeah. Jeez, man, that was so long. It feels so long ago. Because it was so long I mean, ago. <laughs> but he was he was marketed so well. What was his marketing guy? Icy Mike. Icy Mike. Icy Mike. That Icy guy's Mike. a stud, dude. He is. I just he saw him the other day. Super I saw him in Miami guy. when we were there. Absolutely amazing person. I've only inter- interacted with him uh, twice, I think. Yeah. Just real brief, though, too. Just been around conversations where he's he's a, obviously uh, – He's worked a lot of the, a lot of the guys, you know, from back in the day. I mean, I think he worked with Mazadov for a little bit, didn't he? He's done some stuff. Like Icy Mike did a lot of things. He was he was very big into porn and producing porn and things like that. It's, well, that's how him him and Kimbo from when they were young, growing up, you know, met, and so he he used Kimbo as you know a bodyguard for a lot of the people, and and he he was the one that told him, you know, Kimbo was trying to figure out a way to make money he goes look i've never seen you losing a fight how about we do some fights and he started the backyard fights and look at it, it youtube owes kimbo slice yeah. you know because they this made each very other true they made yes. each other you know back then youtube was nothing and that stupid fight between kimbo and big d in the backyard with the fucking giant satellite dish yeah you know yep. That thing was monstrous. That fight, and then what was the uh, uh, member? It was a uh, bum fights. Bum fights were out too. Oh on yeah, YouTube. bum fights that, too. Those those yeah. were the things that kind of made YouTube famous, from what I recall. I mean, that yeah. was like more my era of. I remember YouTube taking off, and they started taking the bum fights down because yeah, I think they yeah it was like just unethical, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they were giving bums cheeseburgers to fight. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you, that's not gonna work, buddy. All right. All right. Next. Michael Forte asks, if Dustin goes on to win the title and defend a few times, can he take the all can he take the all light heavyweight goat title away from Khabib? Lightweight, lightweight buddy. Yeah, I said lightweight. You no, said you said light heavyweight. heavyweight. Did I? Yeah. Oh. Can he you take did. the 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 sentence threw me off, that's what was probably right. No, you can just he, you just proved Josh right that we can't understand <laughs> half the fucking words coming out of your mouth. But we heard those. Yeah. <laughs> can he take because they, they were wrong? <laughs> Oh, go ahead. You can't abbreviate these things. It's confusing. It's Can not, he take all the lightweight, lightweight LW lightweight lightweight goat <laughs> title away from Khabib, even though he lost to him, he has a better resume than him. Wow, hold on. We had a we had a question, just uh, what well, we were talking about. Not a question, but we were talking about you know goat status and everything. And now here we are. Dustin could take away the goat status of a guy that not only beat him but was undefeated right but there was no way chris cyborg could ever be considered better than amanda nunez who's got four losses and she does have a win and and this is where you look and you go come on man you know he's got the win you for dustin to be considered the greatest of all time he would have to go on a hell of a run, a hell of a run against a whole lot of, you know, the top people and just smash everyone for it to even be in my, my opinion considered Look, Khabib did it 29 times. People would say whatever they want about, Oh, the level of competition in the end, he was fighting the very best there was. And he was annihilating them, annihilating them 
Again, there's never been a fighter, I don't give a shit what weight class, that I ever stepped in the cage with that continuously every fucking fight I did of theirs dominated their opponents. 10-8 rounds most of the time. Okay? So he beat Dustin, and he beat him pretty handily. All right? So, no, he's not going to be that guy that's going to be the greatest of all time. Is he a great fighter? Fuck yes. He's a phenomenal fighter. We've said it forever, and I love watching the guy. But get away from the guy, this whole GOAT status. man. It's, it's talked about way too much when it shouldn't be, and we give credit to things that, you know, it's like the whole, as soon as, you know, the UFC puts something out as far as propaganda to build the person that is actually still fighting for them over the person that is now no longer fighting for them and has retired, of course they're going to back the person that is fighting for them. Of course that's the better person now. That doesn't mean it's true. Ditto. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to drag that one on because I know I can just ramble. It's basically going to say the same thing you said. You know, I mean, I'm a big fan of Khabib, so I'm going to lean obviously towards him. That's just the homerness in me, and I'm very upfront about that stuff. But uh, like, I agree with you, Dustin would have to go on a hell of a run. And I said this is a similar thing with uh, Cyborg the other day. My thing with Cyborg is that she had done it for 13 years undefeated. That's my only thing. I mean, it's like she beat Cyborg, and I get that, but she had she had never been on a big long run like the 13 year long run. You understand? That's that's the only thing that if I'm going to compare the two, could be sure 29 and 0, but he didn't get to the top guys until the last two and a half years, and then you know he didn't stay long enough. And I understand that portion of it all as well. But I want people to remember though too, not a lot of people wanted to fight Khabib. People were turning fights down with him until they got to the title shot. Everyone's like, oh, I want to fight him. Of course you want to fight him because he's the fucking champion or he's the most dominant guy that's ever walked the face of the earth. That's why people wanted to fight him because they knew they'd get a little bit of recognition, they'd get their pay bump. You know, but in the beginning, I, I'd cornered him several times in the beginning. People were like, yeah, I'm not fighting that guy. Nah. <laughs> you know, they didn't want to fight him. He couldn't get fights. There was times where he was like, I'm waiting for a fight. I remember in the training room, when you fight next, I don't know, UFC say no one wants to fight me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they no were, they were lying, yet. though. No opponent. no opponent yet. No opponent yet. Why no opponent? Oh, no. No one's. People turned me down. I don't know. That's it. I understand. I, I get it. And once he started getting in the top five, like, I'll fight him. And even then, they still didn't, like, sometimes they didn't show. There's guys that never even made it to the fight. All of a sudden, people were hurt. It wasn't his fault a lot of the times. Like, Islam's going through it right now. You know, I mean, they're different. I know they're different in styles and they're different, uh, but they're still good fighters. But he has the same issue. None of the guys in the top five want to fight him because they know that he's going to probably potentially beat him. You know? They don't want to lose their spot. Uh, Anyways, next. Next question comes from Uppercut Cannon. Should... Brian Ortega moved to lightweight. I am adamant on seeing him transition up a weight class since he already seems huge for 145. The matchups are electrifying. John, I don't think he should. No. I don't think he has a hard time cutting weight either. I mean, I stood next to him on the fight companion. He's tall. He's long. He's he's lanky. All of those things. He's thin. But he doesn't, he's not ripped. He's not shredded. He's not like he's cutting super amounts. He's a big guy, but he's not. He doesn't look like he's super imposing when it comes to like his physique. So I think if he wants to build a little bit of muscle and stay at 45, I think he could do that. I mean, he doesn't really seem like he needs to though. He's just, he's got, 
The only thing keeping him from winning the title, man, is he he's ran into two fucking buzzsaws. <laughs> two guys that are at the top. That's it, man. And you're talking these two are the best in the in the in the weight class in the world. You know, I mean, if you were to put all the guys in the top 145 pounding, these two are the best. These two, like I put AJ in there as well, and I'll put Patricio in the mix in that a little bit as well. But with Volk and with him and with Brian, and Brian's in that mix too. If I I've always said this in the top five. I put, you know, I'll put AJ and Volk and, and Max. You can mix them up any way you guys want. I don't give a shit how you guys mix them up, okay? I don't care. You can put Max, you can put AJ, and you can put Patricio fourth and fifth or fifth and sixth, whatever. I don't care. But they're all in that mix because when they come down to the fight, they're all going to intermix each other. Like, they're going to have different styles. Styles are going to make matchups in that situation. But he doesn't need that. I don't think he needs to go to 55. He's extremely good at where he's at. He just ran into two buzz saws. And I think if he fights Volk again or if he fights Max again, it could be a different story. You know, it really could, it really depends on who shows up that night and is able to have a performance. And that's how it's going to go. Look at the way that Yair Rodriguez had success against Max. I'm not saying that Brian can do that. But I think Brian has a has a pretty good chance of beating Yair because of his style in terms of jiu-jitsu. His jiu-jitsu against Yair... You know, if he can get him down, I mean, I don't know if Yair's going to be able to get the hell up. <laughs> I mean, that's the difference. I, mean, I don't think he, I mean, you'll be getting up. It'll be the ref waking him up and pulling him up. It might be that. I mean, that that's his style of jiu-jitsu. If he utilizes, utilizes his jiu-jitsu, I think he's got a good chance of beating Yair. So that that puts him all in that mix as well. I, it, it really just comes down to who's the best fighter that night. That's it. And unfortunately, he's been on the wrong side in the championship fight. That's the only thing. Nope. Ditto. Oh, so you must ditto. <laughs> there you go. Next. Next question from Mazafar Ahmad asks, which current UFC fighters do you think can become champions if they switch camps slash gyms? Ooh. Why are they? Why, um, Switching camps, camps slash gyms. Yeah, I, don't I don't know who would need to do that. Let's pull up the rankings here. Who could become champion if they switch camps? I mean, the guys, if they're in the top five or top six, they don't need to switch camps. That's what got them there. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> you know, so uh, it's hard for me to say. It's uh, let, let me say this. Maybe, I would say maybe Gilbert Burns, only based on the fact that, the only based on the fact of this, is that he's teaching at the gym that he wor- that he's training out of. Yep. It's hard to be a coach. And still fight and still train full time and still teach class. That's it. You've got to be, you got to make sure that you are the priority. It, it all turns. Right now, it's so short lived. Don't be the coach anymore. Focus on being the champion because he's the guy that, like, and, and he doesn't have to leave the gym to do that either, though. All he's got to do is just stop teaching, you know, and just, and just focus more on not teaching. Get the rest. Go home and rest. Go home and spend more time, you know, taking care of your body, doing all the things. As you get older, you're going to need to do that more. So, it's not going to get easier as you get older, so you might as well try and do that now. Uh, I can't think of anyone else, man. I'm looking at these rankings right now. Like I would say Paulo Costa, but the problem with Paulo Costa is that he's a knucklehead. So I don't know if that's going to help either. You yeah. know, um, I don't know. The, the, here, there's certain there's things that I look at, and it's you take a look at Michael Chandler, and mm-hmm. you take a look at his last fight. And this is why I would say maybe it's time for him to change camps because. He's not listening to his camp. He's not listening to his coaches. And if you're if you're not going to be listening to your coaches, then why why do you why are you there? Why are you bringing those guys 
They're the ones that are supposedly knowing what you need to do. And you're not listening to them because I heard Henry Hoof saying the exact right thing. Michael, this is what I need you to do. Michael, stop stop trying to be a tough guy. Michael. And he went out there and did everything that he wanted, nothing that Henry said. And so that's when I would say, hey, maybe it's time for you to move on because you're not listening to the guy. So obviously you personally are in that position where that he's not getting through to you. And so that's when I would say maybe it's time for you to, you know, to go to somewhere else. And look at Chandler has been in different camps. He was with Alliance before he was with extreme couture before that. And then he went out to uh, Sanford. So, um, he's had different, different camps, but that's what I look for. I, I, I always look to see, are you not progressing or are you not in a position where those coaches are able to hone you in, bring you back, center you up during the fight and you're just off doing your own thing? If that's what's happening, then it's probably time for you to find somebody else. Yeah. You know what? Now that I'm looking at this list, Darren Till. I was going to say I, him too. I can't say he'd be champion, but I, he needs to go to another location. Wherever he needs to, he needs to go somewhere else. I think that would that would help him a lot. So, next. All right. Yaz asks, why do you think Dana doesn't want more weight divisions? Do you think having more fighters get paid more and getting split of PPV is the main factor? There wouldn't be any more weight divisions. It'd be one. It'd be one new weight division. That's it. Like, if you're going to add it, it's already there. John says it all the time. That weight division has already been created. But it's a matter of them utilizing it and bumping the 170 to 175. It's. I don't think it has anything to do with the financials. I had a good conversation with Rich Chow about this type of situation as well. John and I were both standing there. He's like, look, what you're doing now is you're taking your best division, okay? Whether it's in Bellator, whether it's in the UFC, 155 is considered to be the best division. You're going to lose a quarter of those, maybe even more, to 165. And then the ones at 170, the ones that are going to try to go down, sure, they're going to keep them there. But then the ones that go to 170 or 170, they're going to go to 165. You're going to lose... You're going to split that division. That division is good, but it's not great. It's not great enough yet to split it in half or split it and say, like, lose a quarter of them down to 165. So now you've got two divisions that are kind of watered down because you added the one weight class. And that kind of started making sense to me. Because here, when you look at, like, if you look at the 155-pound division right now across the board, whether it's UFC, Bellator, uh, One, and PFL, they've they've got a good group of fighters. <clears throat> two years ago, it was the greatest weight class across in in the sport. But right now, the greatest weight class in the sport is 135. That's the best weight class in the sport. And I want to say last year in 2020, 145 was the best weight class in the sport. And the year before that, it was 155. It bounces around. And so to split 155 and 170 and then take them and split it apart and have a quarter of them maybe probably from 170 go to 65 and a quarter of the 155 go to 165 you're going to end up watering it all down a little bit just so what you can have you can have another belt you can you can bank on having you know another pay-per-view event every year that has that 165 pound title i'm starting to understand it now from a promotional and business standpoint i'm getting it I still like the idea of having it because we had a lot of tweeners. You know, you had the Nate Diaz, you had Mazadal, you had Conor McGregor, you you had certain guys, you know, that were in that mix that can make the, the weight class. It would be fun. Like a Colby Covington would probably go to 65, or Usman would probably stay at 75. 
So, but then that also would make it interesting. Would Izzy go? Would Izzy go from eighty-five to seventy-five? Now, would we see that fight? That would be exciting in the beginning. Let's say for the first two years, it'd be fun. But after that, the dust settles. You, I think, you'd end up with one of those weight classes being watered down. So, if you take a look at the uh, weight classes there, one fifty-five to one seventy, and if you take a look and you say, "Is it really watered down?" Especially in the UFC. I don't believe so, and I don't think that. I think that's an excuse. If you take a look at that lineup that they have with all of those fighters, you're looking at a ton of guys that are damn good fighters. That you're in your your top ten. Be it if you could take leave 155 and have a 165 and then 175. Yep, you might you might have a couple that are tweeners that are crossovers and things like that, but you're going to be still having those Sean Brady's who is, you're right, he shouldn't be at 14, but, you know, moving up a little bit, you'll have, you know, Ponzinibbio, Jeff Neal's in there. Yeah, you'll get certain guys, but you will get, I think Colby Covington could make that 165. Now you're talking a five-pound drop instead of the 15-pound drop. I would say Colby Covington would be great at 165. That would be his weight class, and he'd be hard to beat. It'd be fun to watch, but in the UFC, it, it, there's no excuse for it. Bellator, yeah, I can understand where it would cause a matchmaker like Rich Chow problems as far as depth, but the UFC, I don't see the problem, and I only think it, it's, in my opinion, it separates them and makes it to where, look, we, we even have more champions. We, we do this, you know, because we have this slew of fighters we're going to use this weight class. Open up that weight class, and you can say, you know, whoever it is, 165, you've got the only 165-pound champion. You've yeah. got the only 175-pound champion. Oh, oh can I, let me see the weight classes here. Let me see the, the rankings, Dave. You have all, all this stuff in front of it. Look, Kiesa would be 50, would be 65. Stephen Thompson, I think, would be 65 also. Leon Edwards, 65. Gilbert Burns, 65. Covington, 65. You just lost 170 right there. Bullshit. So you have Covington, you're giving Burns. You're saying Leon Edwards? I don't think so. Leon Edwards for sure would be 65. Luke would not be. You're saying Stephen. would not be. You're saying Stephen Thompson? I don't think he would be either. I don't think so. Well, maybe at 37, maybe he wouldn't want to do it. But I think think if it started, he would only because who would he fight? I think think it really, for him, at his age, he would probably, he would like to see who's left in 175. Because remember, it's not going to be 170 anymore. It's going to be 175. So 85 pounders are going to drop down. That's right. You're going to have some of those one. You're going to have, well, first one, Kelvin Gastelum. He'll be over at 175. Darren Till. Sean Strickland. He'll be over at 175. Darren Till. He'll be over at 175. Those aren't guys that Stephen Thompson wants to fight. Uh, That's that's what I'm saying. He He would drop to 65. So you're, I'm just saying that we look at this, you're wiping out the first probably five of the first one, you know, top 170 pounders. They're going to go to 65. I don't think and that's so. what I'm talking about. All in terms of them would. Colby would. I Gilbert think Colby would. would Leon. I think Gilbert could. I don't know if he, he would. Went, he, he used to fight at 55. Yeah, I know he did. But 65, I think, would be his, his weight. I would say 65 yeah. would be his weight over 70. Vicente would stay. Steven, I think, would go to fit. I think he'd go to 65. Kiesa would for sure go to 65. You know, he's big. He's huge. But he would, I think he'd go, and Mazadal for sure would. I think Neil Magny would probably stay where he's at. Bilal would probably go to 65. 
Cosmot would probably stay where he's at. Cosmot would definitely stay at 75. He'd stay, he'd go to 75. He'd be like, 75? Hell yeah, I'll exactly. stay there. Uh, Jeff Neal, probably go to 65. I don't know. Kind of heavy. Kind of big. He's thick. thick he's exactly. Thick. Um, Sean Brady, I could see going to 65. He's thick, though, too, so it depends. We can talk to him about that. Yeah. Um, but then that's that's a lot of your 170-pounders going to 65. Now from 170, who would go? You know, Darren Till would go. Sean Strickland would go. Um, who else there? Definitely not Uriah Hall. Nah, no, not Whitaker. And then would, would Whitaker go? Kevin Holland might be able to go. But would Whitaker go? Because he was at 70 before. Now if it's at 75, would he go? Uh, I don't know. That's a possibility. Is he, would Izzy be able to make 75? I don't know. It'd be a struggle, but I think, you know, he could potentially do it. Why you would know? he go? He's the champ at 185. Just to get second belt. Yeah. Just to try to get a belt, a second belt. That's all dependent upon the promotion saying, okay. Yeah, that's true as well. So, that's true. Some guys they can go, they, no, you're not going anywhere. If they split that weight class, though, I mean, they're going to have a hard time. They would want to keep their champion there, I would imagine, in yeah. the beginning. Say, hey, you can't jump, you know, but if that happens, I mean, I just feel like, I'm sure it'd be fun how it all intermixes. And plus, the ones that do leave, there's going to be some other guys that are at the bottom. Yeah, they're going to be 17, 18. They're going to be coming up. I get that portion yep. of it all. In the beginning, it'll be fun for about two years, but then I think you're going to see a watered-down version of both weight classes, maybe even three weight classes because so. of 185. Not, 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 not with their roster. Well, no. I don't think so. You, you say that. You want to know why we both – you don't want to know why you say that, and I think other fans will say the same thing. It's because we know their marketing is fucking the best in the game. And so they're going to tell you all the propaganda that we need to hear for this person to be considered the best 15, in the top 15. I We're all going to slurp that shit up like we always do, going, hey, that guy's really damn good. But are they really that good? You know what I mean? Like they have a, they're, they're great at marketing. That's what they do. They, they market their athletes. They Fantastic. make us all believe that these guys are the best in the game. And people soak it up. They slurp, slurp it up just like that. So, anyways, next question. You didn't have to do the slurp sound. I know, but I did. I did it just for you. I knew that would piss you off. Uh, John hates shit like that. It drives him crazy. Cal <laughs> uh, Mash asks. Right, let's let's can, do a couple more. Can you do a segment called Big John's Little Stories, like the UFC One Glove Story? I, you guys, I've been trying to talk to Big John about doing McCarthy Mondays for the longest time. McCarthy Mondays, just drop a quick little tidbit, quick little whatever it is. Big John, he's too busy in his workshop. <laughs> he's out there cutting wood for Miss McCarthy. She's out there saying, get to work. Get to work. 37 years, get to work. I want a table. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shane Hawley asks, based on his last performance, who do you think the top 10 uh, that Sean Brady would beat in, the, in a five-round fight? Okay, John, I talked to Sean today, and Sean had some comments for us uh, regarding our show uh, the other day. Well, that's because like, you said bad things about his condition. I did not say bad. <laughs> I, did, I did not say bad good things about his condition. He said afterwards that all the hype got to him a little bit, and it I did have an effect on I him, which is true. Yeah. Uh, but he, he also said that his nose got busted in the first round, and that affected his breathing, which yeah. is very true as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And so those are all things that uh, we plan on talking with him, I think, early next week. We're going to have him on the show. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about that and we'll be able to hash it all out. But, uh, he's, uh, we've gone back and forth a couple of times on, uh, social media and we've talked a little bit over the phone. And, um, look, 
no hard feelings at all. I just look, there's a lot of, we got to, these are things that we don't get to experience in terms of talking to them and them telling us what they were feeling inside the cage. That's the point of having them on the show. And so I think he's going to be able to break it all down for us, but no, I don't have any, I, I think his conditioning obviously was on point enough to get the win. That's the biggest thing. And then taking shots like that, the pressure I think was a little bit to, to bear with as well. It's a big time show co-main event. You know, you're up there, you're fighting the number six guy. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of media that goes along. People don't realize the media you do during the week when you're when you're the co-main event or you're the main event or you're the whatever, you're in the top main card. You're getting a ton of press. You're doing a ton of things online, ton of things over the phone. Like, it's just, it's nonstop. So, you know, that would think that was his first time, big time show where he, all that stuff hit him. And you're like, oh, I thought I was going to get time to sleep today. I thought I was going to get time to go hit a run. I thought I was going to get time to hit mitts. Uh-uh, son. <laughs> you got to promote this fight. <laughs> we don't pay. You got to get, you got to, you want to get that paycheck. You got to do this stuff to promote the fight. So. Yes. Uh, next. next question from Gilgamesh 2001. How do you guys see Pitbull versus AJ McKee 2 going uh, to be? Is it going to end early or do you see it going the, to the judges? John. <sighs> I, right now, the way things are, you know, look, anything can happen in a fight and, do I think that AJ lands the same kick that put you know Pitbull in in trouble and ended uh, his night with the guillotine? No, I don't. I don't see that happening again. Do I think the fight goes longer? I do think the fight would go longer. I think it would be a fight that would go into uh, deep into the third, into the fourth round. But I think it ends. I think it would end somewhere in there. And there's just look, there's differences and there's evolutions, and Every fighter has their nemesis, has the person that has the ability to push them, but to keep them from being able to be as effective as they are against everybody else. And that's because they're just built a little bit different. They do things a little bit faster. They have things that keep them to make the, they're a hard opponent for them. That's just what it is. I mean, that's... You know, that, that's the game of fighting and that's what makes it interesting. And that's why, you know, we say, eh, you know, it's not MMA math, but fighter A beats fighter B and fighter B beats fighter C. That doesn't mean that fighter C is going to beat, you know, fighter A. It's just, there's you no totally way of looking at it like that. <laughs> you totally lost <laughs> But, you know, I look in this, you know, look at Patricio Pitbull is going to beat 99.9% of the 145ers he faces. There'd be very few guys out there at 145 pounds that I think can beat him. But guys that are like a Max Holloway, long, lanky, as Josh would say, a lot of volume and has good movement and doesn't fall into the trap of allowing a shorter and stockier fighter to control that distance and that range. Now you have a different fight because the controlling of distance and range is one of the biggest factors you will ever have in a fight when you're talking about the stand-up. And when the sh shorter guy is doing that, and, and there's ways of him trying to do that, one is to walk through the fire. One is for him to say, okay, for me to get into the range that I need to be, I need to go through the fire. I need to take chances. I need to put myself in sometimes bad situations. You know, you, you go back in, you know, boxing history. Look at Ali and Frazier. 
Who was the guy that gave Ali the hardest fights? It was Joe Frazier because he would walk through the fire. He would take shots from Ali to deliver his. He would take the two, three, four shots to deliver the one. And you've got to put that in your mind. Is Patricio the guy that could do that against AJ? Yeah, it's a possibility. But he's got to walk through that fire. Yeah, I I thought the first fight was going to go three or four rounds. I was way wrong. But uh but what you have to remember is that when you're dealing with someone like Patricio, he will go back to the drawing board. And he will try to reinvent himself a little bit to make a difference in that fight. Yep. Now, I don't know if there will be a difference. I can't speak on that. I think AJ is extremely talented. He's fast. He's explosive. He is really big for the weight in and terms of getting better and reach and all. And he's getting better. Also, the weight cut is also not an issue anymore. Now, we have also seen he's undefeated. He has an experienced loss. He doesn't understand what it is like to lose. But all those things considered, we've also seen young talent like himself, okay, that, oh, I've just beat who is considered to be like the Bellator GOAT, go out there and not, now all of a sudden not take it as serious and come back and not have a great performance. Will he fall victim to that? I don't think he will. I think his dad and him have a goal and a game plan for his career now that things have been uh, settled in. And I think he's... I think he's on track to to become one of the one of the greatest fighters ever. As long as he just keeps towing the line and keeps keeps on track, if he stays on that line that his father has set for him and for himself, he's also set it for himself. If he stay, it's gonna be hard. He's gonna be hard to beat. Doesn't matter who who he puts in front of now. Him going to fifty five is a little bit different. Yep. I think I think he can have success against some of the guys that are there right now. I don't know if he can beat them all, especially some of the new up and comers that are that are coming around. There's Alexander Shabley, there's uh, Usman, there's uh, you know Usman and Magomedov. There's other young talent that's coming up yep. that will give him fits. But I think it does make for some fun fights. But I think he needs to stay at forty five for a little bit, defend it a couple times, establish himself there, and then go ahead and start getting ready to make that move. Because like I said, he's a big body frame. He possesses all the attributes of of a great fighter and we've seen that i i I can't say exactly how the second fight's going to go but i do think it will go longer next okay uh two more uh zalik fishman asks what is the likelihood of hamza jamayev beating usman and or israel adesanya hashtag and still you're already going up to israel adesanya you people are crazy (laughs) look Kazma Shemaev is special. He can wrestle his ass off. And he also has very good stand-up. He's got good hands. He throws sharp combinations. He's got a beautiful uppercut that he utilizes. The guy's got it. And he's got the mentality that you're looking for. He wants to be that guy. He wants the big fights. You know, at 170... Do I think he could beat Usman? I think he could be, like I said, there's always that guy out there that gives you fits. Could Usman beat Shemaev? Yeah. Could Shemaev possibly get to the point he could beat Usman? Yeah. You know, he's getting there. I, I'm not sure that he's there yet, and, and I think if you put him in too early, that could you know send him back if he doesn't win it for a while because his confidence will shift. And look, he, you talk about a young guy. He's a young guy. You know, and we, you know, when it, you can see that just in the way he handled the COVID situation. He got sick and you know, tried to go back in the gym real fast and just was, guys were eating him up because he physically wasn't prepared 
you know, for the effects of what, you know, being sick had done to him. And that screwed with his mind. And that's because he's young. And he, he hasn't experienced the things that you need to experience to understand, you know, how these things take place and what you need to do. And he, he immediately said, you know, I think I'm going to retire. I'm done. You know, this is, it's the end. And you look and you go, you're a young guy. It's okay, man. Just give it time. Well, he's, he's going to be special. Just don't rush him to the point where you push him past where he is at that point. You're pushing him past what he can actually handle at the time. And it's also handle, like Josh was saying, when you get into those main event fights, there's so much for you to do. So many interviews for you to go through. So many sequences of, hey, you need to be here at this time. And you need to be, then you're going to be here. And then you're going to be on this radio call. And then we have you coming over and you're going to be on this. And it seems to everyone who doesn't do it that it's so much fun. Oh, that's exciting. No, it's a pain in the ass. And you try to make it, you try to act like you're very, you know, happy to do it and you're in tune with doing it, but it's a grind. And all you've got going in your mind is my fight's now this far away. And I want to get into the, I want to get into the workout room and just break a sweat. I want to, you know, start to do these things and you don't have time. And sometimes you don't get to actually get that training in unless you're doing it at, you're doing it at 11 o'clock at night, which sometimes isn't bad because that's when you're fighting. But these are the things that you have to learn how to deal with. And they take time. And this is the same thing as, you know, what Sean was talking about. I mean, uh, Sean Brady was talking about with, I didn't think it was going to affect me. It did. And it will. You know, the pressure of the moment. It's not easy to handle and not everyone is good at it. He may be that he is great at it. But. He's going to be something special. Just give him some time. Yeah. My, the verdict for me is still out on him because he, he hasn't been drugged into the deep waters. No. You said you've seen him from before in the past where yep. he's had some some uh, tough fights. Yep. But I haven't seen him against a, a top UFC guy yet that's drug him into the deep waters. Now, we may not see that until he gets to maybe the Usman or somebody else. That Maybe maybe we'll never see it. Who knows? But the verdict for me is still not – I'm st- still out on me. I'm still going to wait. <laughs> I want to see him fight somebody like uh like a Steven Thompson, a Vicente Luque, uh Gilbert Burns, you know, how they how he handles those type of uh athletes. You know, and when I look at this weight class, there's got they've got a lot of good talent there. Yeah. But <clears throat> you've also got talent that like Kios is coming off a loss, Maslow coming off a loss, Steven Thompson coming off a loss, Vicente Luque coming off wins, Leon Edwards coming off a win. You know, um, Gilbert Burns coming off a loss. You have a lot of them in the top there that are coming off losses. Their confidence isn't what they was before, and they're still in the top six, top five, six. So <clears throat> they're fighting somebody who is obviously the confidence is at an all-time high because he's just starching people and walking through them. So I would, a verdict for me is still out on him, but I do agree with you, though. Don't You have to slow play him. Let him grow. Um, give him some time, get him used to doing more press, get him used to doing all those things so he can learn how to work his training in around all that. Good. I agree. Next. All right, last one from Josh. Question for both. Prime Tony versus Max Holloway. Who wins and why? Uh, I think Max. 
I mean, if they were both the same size, the Tony can take a shot, but Max can deliver in combinations. Tony throws him ones and twos. He's a little funky, obviously. Max not trying to take him down. Tony has the kicks, but Tony's kicks were more up the middle. You know, not a whole lot of legs kicks. It was more of like the push kick up the gut. At least when I fought him, it was. Um, you know, he's got long reach, but so does Max. I mean, it's a little bit hard because Tony's a little bit bigger. You know, he's like physically a bigger and thicker boned guy. You know, um, jiu-jitsu wise, I mean, they're pretty, probably think they're pretty comparable to each other. I give Tony a little bit more of the, the weird Frank, like freaky jiu-jitsu, you know, that, that 10th planet, yeah, Bravo shit that, you know, he's got the weird jiu-jitsu, but you know, that may throw Max off a little bit, but I mean, I would, I would probably say Max if it, cause the fight would pretty much stay on the feet. I think I'm um, Max not going to try to take him down. Tony probably wouldn't have tried to take him down if he did. He'd probably just take him down and let him back up or attack a, a dar or something like that. But I think Max is hip to those things. So it would have been a good fight, though. I oh, think yeah. it would have been a great fight. But I would have leaned probably a little bit more towards Max only because of the accuracy of Max, the output of Max when it came to the, the punching output. Um, but I'd give Tony the power, and and the elbows would play a factor as well. Like, you know, I got to go with that as well because I was on the subject of the, on the other end of that shit. <laughs> so I would give I give Tony the the elbow situation. So submissions, I think they're about equal. It'd be a great fight, though. It would be a great fight. You're absolutely right. But I, th I think the speed would be the difference. One of the things about Tony is Tony's not that fast. True. And Max, when he gets on a roll, his combinations come fast. And his hand speed is good. He, uh, he follows it up with kicks, and, and Tony's always been in that position. He eats kicks. He doesn't check them a lot. He'll, he'll you know, stomp down with his leg and, and bite into it and try to counter it. But overall, I would, I would look and I would think that Max would be a difficult fight just based upon his style for Tony. Not that Tony couldn't win it. He definitely could, you know, and he could definitely he could wrap up a submission even from the standing position. And he's good with that. But overall, I, I would lean towards Max. He's just the more accurate guy. I agree. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne in. Use promo code and still pick up one of our shirts. We want to thank you guys for shopping our, sh our shirt network here, as well as posting pictures with us wearing it or posting pictures of you guys wearing it and uh, tagging us in it. We go ahead and share those. And I uh, want to thank you guys for supporting our podcast. So also make sure you guys hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channels on our audio platforms. You got iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. All of those are our top ones that people mostly subscribe to. So hit the, uh, the subscribe button there as well as listen to us in the car, listen on your road trips. You guys are traveling for Thanksgiving. Make sure you guys, you put us on. You got a four hour, five hour drive. Hey, we've got several on there. Go ahead and just click, click, click. You guys can listen to us the whole way down. We want to thank you guys for uh, continuing to watch us and support us. Thank you guys. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Have a great Thanksgiving. Spend it with your family, your friends, and I hope you have a special day. And to everyone out there, thanks for listening. And we, the boys here at the Weighing In Podcast, Josh the Punk Thompson, Podcast Dave, and me, John McCarthy, say we will see you.